that last debate episode was. I feel like I should definitely acknowledge that it was all in good fun, and George and I don't have any like animosity towards each other. I don't think you guys came off that way though. No, but it was. It was like, oh, you know, would you rather have four fingers or six? And then it's like, hey, what do you, what do you think of? How much do you value life? <laughs> that was, how much do you really think people's life are worth? So it really came off a little egregious. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to Bro Taste This. We break down wine, talk about Luis's digestive issues, and Juan's political issues. And I'm a great listener. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Bro Taste This, where we break down wine, food, news, and our childhood trauma. I am Luis Pablo, joined by Juan Legend, Jay Motherfucking May, and today we have a special guest. He was mentioned in the very first episode of this podcast, so if you go back and listen to the horrible audio that we posted, Anthony Garcia is in the room with us. Wah, wah, wah. Right here. Wah, wah, wah. We might have to get the air horn. Yeah, we'll just. Let's screw this back There we go. Beautiful. Damn millennials. Damn millennials. They're doing it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, we want to make sure everybody knows our opinion about everything, which is why everybody should have their own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this week we'll be talking about Wisconsin approving child labor, and then we'll just get right into uh, the Somali that's with us here, uh, Anthony Garcia. So, Anthony, do you want to just say, say who you are, where you're from? Um, I'm Anthony Garcia. I was born in California, but then raised 10 years in Mexico, and then moved to the United States, flipped a coin on that decision, and landed on heads, so we moved up here, and have been living here since. Lived in Chicago for a little bit, um, saw some pretty cool things, some bad things, a lot of culture shock. I moved up here without knowing any English and uh, lived in a pretty rough neighborhood of Chicago where um, African Americans and like Mexicans never get along because lack of resources, they were just Jesus. trying to just fight for it. And um, there was only one white kid in my school back then, but then... Um, my mind just got fed up with like hearing gunshots in the middle of the night. Um, so yeah, we moved up to Wisconsin, lived in Elkhorn uh, first, and then moved to Lake Geneva for a little bit, moved around Chicago, and then I'm here. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much for coming by. Obviously, it's much appreciated. It was what, a two-hour drive? I have two hours, yeah. You're up in the beautiful Sheboygan town? Sheboygan area. Uh, I worked for Kohler, Kohler, Wisconsin. You know, you go to the bathroom, it says Kohler. They make yeah. them there. Uh, I live in Plymouth and uh, love it. I have shy of two acres. My two little girls just run around endlessly. Don't have to worry about traffic like I did in Chicago when I lived there. Um, so, yeah, it's a good move. Yeah, I was going to say, you definitely get congratulations for having two kids. You know, yeah. five yeah. and two, uh, four and one, you said. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, man, thank you so much for coming. It's greatly appreciated. Yeah, on the record, they're not, they're not Asian. <laughs> no uh do you get told you're asian a lot yeah but funny thing is that like asian people know i'm not asian it's the people that are kind of like borderline like Hmong or filipinos are like yeah you're definitely asian or you're one of me or um <laughs> <laughs> in the restaurant it's so funny and it's like borderline 
like being stereotyped and racism because people will say I hey, fucking hate when people do that. Yeah, they're like, "Hey, can you tell the Asian Somp that uh, we're ready to oh, for a wine they order?" Say that. And then the server comes to me, and I'm like, looking around, like, yeah. which one? Like, there's there's none. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, me. Got it. Me? Got it. That is really funny. Yeah, I mean, I do know a little um, Mandarin, so like, ni hao, ni hao ma, ni hao, if I need to, but nah, no. I know one Asian phrase, and it's nani. <laughs> Which I've only gotten from anime. So it really, That's all you need, man. Yeah, it yeah. really has not helped me whatsoever. That's yeah. actually one of my deepest fears is that one day I have kids and it just comes out like black. I don't know. Something ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> what do you. <laughs> I so mean, not it, your kid is yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody has a fear. fear. Right. Just like, man, is this kid mine? <laughs> like, I really had to house this bitch for nine months and now, <laughs> and now this kid is not mine. Well, well, well. <laughs> Or he looks like you and he ends up not being yours. Yeah, that would be kind of scary. Uh, let's talk about the wine that Anthony has provided for us. It is a... Do you want to take it away? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, this is one of my favorite producers from Napa Valley. Okay. Had some technical difficulties <laughs> behind the scenes, but back to this beautiful wine made on Powell Lake. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. How, how lake? How how mountain? How mountain? There's a lake up there still. Wrong land feature. <laughs> I don't think it has evaporated. Random yet. land feature. Uh, so yeah, Napa Valley. We think of like a small place in the world, but it's pretty pretty tiny. And then within Napa, they're breaking into smaller places, and then they have categorized different uh, terroirs. This one's coming from How Mountain. Uh, once again, Randy Dunn. 2012 everybody raised about 2013 and it's pretty expensive nowadays uh but if i had to put like my money on wine i'd look for like good years not like always top years because those are the most expensive ones yeah and that's what separates like the kids from the adults right like you want the years where people struggle so much and i want to see them like what can you do with this shitty fruit like what can you make out of it interesting and 2012 was like a good year not like the best like 2013 and um you're not paying as much either um so so yeah so what would we have right here a 2012 how much does a bottle of this go for uh retail yeah retail 170 uh i bought this for like 140 ish um so as you can tell like appreciation wine is is really a thing um so just forget forget bitcoin forget <laughs> invest in wine invest in wine no i'm joking Jesus. But you really gotta know what you're buying if you can invest into wine but yeah no obviously yeah. that is insane yeah. well thank you so much for bringing this in um yeah. I'll, i'm gonna taste it now i don't think i'm worthy cheers 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 everyone cheers air cheers from out here So immediately what I note is um, very acidic, a lot of tannins. A lot of tannins. Yeah, it's like silk, though. I'm happy you said acidic right away because when the wine gets to like higher than 14%, it's all about like the fruit, the tannins, and yeah. no one talks about acidity when it comes to cabs. Um, once again, like the word acidity, people think of like battery acid, but it's such a beautiful no, thing. No. Think of like with tacos, like you put a little bit of lime and it just makes everything brighter. Oh my pop. gosh, yeah. You put a little bit of lime on like fruit, which is like acidic, and it makes it sweeter. Right. You know, and right. So with this, I when I get the the tannins in there and I get the acidity, it's it's not in a bad way. It feels like 
Whereas some of the other wine that I've tasted feels like you're drinking wine. This feels like you're drinking juice. Like the in terms of texture, it feels a lot thicker. It feels almost like a heavier water. You know, like uh, if you have uh, Voss water, it has silica. And you kind of get it kind of keeps your mouth wet after you drink it. This has that same feeling. Yeah. And it's like one of these wines that you can drink them at any time. Like usually when you drink calves, you're like, I got to have a steak. Mm-hmm. I got to have something big, bold, and like mashed potatoes. No. Just think of everything Wisconsin. But this one, like you can take it out anywhere. Yeah. Um, if anything, I think it's like more towards like Mexican and like um, Chinese food, like right. a little bit of spice. Um, I'll got to mention one thing about Randy Dunn. He's like one of the OGs of Napa Valley, making wines um, beautifully without being too show off. He worked for Camus, and Camus owns Mayomi, Bella Gloss, um, Elwan, and Be- like all these like fruit bomb wines. And that's one of the reasons why he quit that place because he was seeing this trend of people moving into bolder wines to appease like the wine critics of the world, like Robert Parker, Wine Spectator, um, which is another topic too because it's a double-edged sword when you're trying to go for higher points by these reviewers making wines to their taste buds, yeah, just so you can make a quick buck or two. But then you forget like the truth of what is wine. Like you want the grape to be its own thing. The winemaker should just be picking it and just giving it some love and then calling it a day, not fabricating like point high point scoring wines to appease them. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk more about some of that point stuff um, once we get into uh, a, a main topic. But I mean, while we're on this topic, though, could you elaborate what makes Napa Valley look so special compared to other regions of, of the United States? And because it seems to be like the crown jewel of American wines, like it happens to be like the one region that has the most media hype going on, yeah, and for sure. definitely gets talked about the most. Yeah, so. Before Napa Valley was a thing, like everybody thought of like Bordeaux, Burgundy wines, like they were the the top stuff in the world, the most expensive stuff in the world, and no one could beat them. Uh, but then there was this is leading up to a competition, and uh, other things happened. But this is kind of pretty much one of the things that kind of started the snowball effect of Napa Valley being taken seriously. Uh, the French wines, uh, people who own French wineries, Domaine Chateaus. They saw us as like a bunch of hillbillies just making bootleg and just um, moonshine in Napa. Like out uh, here in California, in the United States in general? In the United States in general. They're like, we, they don't know what they're doing. They're t- the temperatures are too hot. What are these fucking Americans doing? <laughs> Always messing up things. And, and you know what? Um, it's part of the freedom, right? Like, yeah. Of like having like no fucks, right? Yeah. Like you, you can do whatever you want with, with winemaking. Like, I want to oh bomb this thing i want to make this riper and people were just like what are they doing like and then it was a little eccentric for their taste it sounds like right and then the the moment that sealed the day was this thing called the judgment of paris uh where we competed against the french wines um and we won both categories white and red it was all done in blind tasting some of these uh blind tasters who rated the wines were were french and, and what was this event called again? Uh, the Judgment of Paris. The Judgment of Paris. Sounds like wow, a really, cool. uh, like a really cool battle. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> gladiator sword, sailing. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. a final French Revolution battle. Yeah, George yeah. Washington. Was there. <laughs> Napoleon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like, but, I'm not that short. <laughs> um, but then we won, and that's really impressive. 
by blind tasting by blind tasting right that's a different topic too like what is blind tasting like i tell you like hey tell me what's in this wine but it's all perspective it's all what you think what you know um it's all about your past history your memories what does it trigger um but if you don't expose yourself to like different things and it's kind of hard to talk about a wine right so but back to like this tasting the judgment of paris like it, it put us on this like pedestal of, like this is the best and then everybody wanted to make the same wine the same style as those first placers right and that is what we have still today people mm-hmm. still want to make it that way overly oaky oaky buttery big expressive big punch in the face kind of kind of style of wines and you're starting to see a shift today where people want more of that like just give me the grapes don't mess with it too much man just just do it kind of semi-natural and people are gonna think of like natural wines but not not that kind of natural i don't want too much funk like a little bit more traditional techniques more traditional tastes right Mm -hmm. right interesting interesting yeah that's really fascinating it's cool that california is getting less eccentric for once (laughs) (laughs) well that's that's really interesting to find out because yeah you hear all this talk about napa valley and then you get pretentious people who come into restaurants that we work at and they're like oh this is a napa valley and you're like what the fuck do you know candace (laughs) <laughs> like really like you you took one wine tasting class and suddenly you're sommelier like and they probably took that wine tasting class in gatlinburg tennessee yeah exactly in <laughs> richmond illinois and they're, <laughs> they're like no, no no i know what i'm talking about what do you mean you don't have fucking kendall jackson it's like no we do not have muscadine <laughs> <laughs> um we're gonna talk about a news topic that came out really quickly and then we're gonna get right back into a uh, wine topic uh Wisconsin approved a bill on Wednesday that would allow 14 and 15 year olds to work until 11 p.m. on Sundays, uh, much later than laws currently allow. The proposed bill would allow this group instead work from 6 a.m. to 9:30 p.m. on days before school day and 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. when there isn't school the next day. Uh, just want to go around the room and see what you guys thought about this, especially your experiences working in high school. Uh, we can start with uh, Juan Legend across the room. Um, as I was reading about the story, I also read that they were um, the Wisconsin legislature was also keeping in place essentially regulations that kept it legal to pay workers under twenty as little as four twenty five an hour for ninety days of training. Yeah, and um, and that they could uh, essentially like uh, they're thinking about knocking away that ninety days of training and keeping it like four twenty five, almost unlimited. Um, but yeah, so that was just like. A little thing we've been talking about, you know, labor law, yeah, um, changes in the uh, job market right now and how that affects workers and things like that. So it just kind of seems to be like that they're chipping away at um, child labor laws rather than yeah, like increasing... Than paying people what they should. Yeah, rather than inc- increasing like benefits packages and things like that. It seems like they're trying to use other levers to you know get bodies in the system which is you know interesting Interesting. jay you got any comments you want to add yeah honestly i thought that was a suggestion you thought it was like i mean more (laughs) i've worked in many places and those kids staying there till till the work's done yeah (laughs) yeah right it's yeah i thought that's that's true as well no it's it's actually passing through yeah because like how crazy to think about how many of these restaurants don't follow these the labor laws at all? Yeah, right there and they're and they're loosening them even more. Right. Yeah, like how many places keep those fifteen year olds there? Right. Like, 
And a 15, 14-year-old is going to abide by the law because they're scared of authority at that age. And, you know, their parents are probably like, you can fucking stay, go make some money. And, you know, it's an easier way for them to focus on making money as opposed to taking education a little bit more seriously. Yeah, yeah, fuck. I mean, I when I was a, a buster when I was 16, I would stay till the work is done. Yeah. Like, no one said legally you should leave or anything. I mean, people were like, you probably shouldn't be here this late because you guys go the next day. Let's be honest. The assistant manager generally does not know about, like, the regulations of when he should be keeping around his 14-year-old. So right. Most yeah. of the time, he's not that up-to-date on... Most of the time, they're freshly out of high school. Yeah, like, or have just or a high school degree like themselves. Or an impressive server that, hey, you're a manager now, like... <laughs> <laughs> I hope you know how to like manage liabilities right. of a business. <laughs> and they're like, guess what? You're gonna have to stay and bust these tables because I'm gonna go hit on the underage servers. So it's usually <laughs> what happens when you work in the restaurant industry. Uh, a- Anthony, you got any uh, comments on this? Yeah, I think it's kind of tough. Um, I mean, it was 9 p.m. Right, the the old law or the old regulation. Yeah. To leave by nine. I mean, that's when the, it gets busy. Like That's when tables are first leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with school the next day. Like, a Thursday night is still busy. And yeah. especially for the young roles, which are, like, bussers, dishwashers. Yeah. It's literally, like, the bulk of their work. Now, flipping 100%. The room. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's when a lot of the, the work comes in. And, yeah, it feels like instead of trying to pay people what they, uh, what they should, they're just now essentially coming down on the child labor laws and yeah. having them work it. So feels like a flaw in the system that this is happening but at the end of the day i mean and, and i was reading that that a lot of like critics and people who studied uh, child labor regulations have talked about that when they loosen regulations like this it like is correlated to those kids grades just plummeting and dropping and and their furthering sure of education is, yeah. like those percentages just drop so it's kind of like that kid is obviously going to work, but he's expanding his energy and stuff on, on something that's more of a short-term game rather than a long-term rest of his life game, which could no, be something yeah. like... Interesting. Yeah. 100%. Uh, yeah, really interesting topic to talk about because it's been an ongoing issue that we've uh, brought up many times. Uh, other than that, uh, wine, final thoughts. Uh, definitely unworthy of drinking that, but I'm glad I did. What fruits do you guys taste in here, though? What colors do you see? Um... Are we doing this top to bottom kind of thing? Yeah. You yeah, guys, Anthony, give us a, a little bit of a... Yeah, now that we're talking about the wine again, how... How do you go about breaking down a wine when yeah, you're okay. sitting okay. there? So whoever's listening right now, they can just skip 10 minutes. This is about to get boring. <laughs> it's about to get really... This is for, yeah, the this next is for co- the wine nerds. Next couple right? of minutes are going to be strictly for the wine nerds and for anybody who wants to learn about tasting wine and the things you got to look for. So, uh, Anthony, with that being said, take the room. Yeah. So you start by looking at it and then you go to smelling it and then tasting it, but you work top to bottom from your head, right? So you look at it, put it behind in front of a white background, see what it looks like. This one's like a black hole, just taking all yeah, the color and light completely dark. into it. Um, and then just kind of move around the glass back and forth and see how like that stains the glass. Um, so don't actually swirl it, just move it back and forth? Just move, move back and forth, right. You can swirl it if you want, just don't be that person like swirling it on like gravel and like just making that <laughs> chiseling noise like you're yeah. making a sword or something. That'd be fun in a studio. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you look at it, um, this has nothing to do with like how great it is. People will spin it around a little bit and then you see the legs. Yeah. That does not give you any 
anything about the quality of the wine. It just tells you a little bit, a little bit about the alcohol. If it's high alcohol, like the legs will be slow, like molasses. Uh, but this one kind of just drips really quick, so it's a low alcohol wine. And for people who aren't familiar with like what legs are, because a lot of our followers are like pretty wine novice. Yeah. How would you describe what legs are to um, somebody who's not in the room with us? So swirl the glass and then hold it up, and you'll see like this, like viscosity, almost like lines going down from the edge of the glass. Almost like tears. Almost yeah. Like, almost like tears. So yeah, they're like tears. Um, and the slower they are, the more alcohol the wine has. So get ready to party, pretty much. <laughs> um, but it doesn't tell you anything about the quality of the wine. Interesting. A uh, little bit of a pet peeve when people say like, "Oh man, these legs are slow and nice. Like nothing to do with the wine." That tells um, you a lot of bullshit. It's just a lot of BS, a lot of old school. Interesting. Uh, no one has like wine lingo. The wine lingo, right? No, it's kind no of left woman, over. No woman or someone has slapped him in the face and tell him, "Man, that's." <laughs> Not how you describe one. <laughs> um, and then, then you go to your nose, swirl a little bit. One nose is better than the other, so go back and forth. Uh, make sure you do this when you're in Thanksgiving and family is around because they'll look at you like you're weird. Um, <laughs> We're all... Sounds like you're speaking from experience. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, it sounds like it came from a personal, personal place. Yeah, I, Dude, smell... I can't imagine Mexican Thanksgiving. You know, <laughs> the wine geek. Got... <laughs> You got the box wine and you're swirling it. You're like, no, nah, I still got to go through the motions. It's like all army style. Got to do it. No way. You can skip it. Yeah. It's like doing your bed for all those military kids. Yeah. And and then you kind of just smell it. You start with the fruits and make sure you know, like, what kind of fruits, right? You can, easy fruits for red wine. It's either red, white, red, blue, or black fruits. And then from there, be specific on what kind of red fruits, like raspberry, cherries, and then for blue, blueberries, black, blackberry, plums. And then you can move on to other things like the um, nuttiness and the oak and the vanilla. Um, there's some vanilla in this one. It's hard to pinpoint these things unless you continue to drink. Yeah. Um, but, but I think the fruit is very important. Uh, I'm surprised I'm still doing wine because I got haze like when I was doing my level one. Um, they go around the room, they pass a microphone, and I don't know if anybody knows this, but I'm an introvert for sure. Like going up. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. Trying to break through that mold. Yeah. But middle school, high school was rough because like not knowing English, like I was always self-conscious of like my my accent. Yeah. So I would like, we would read a book and, and like we would read books oh, in yeah. class. Yeah. I'd be like, oh. Reading out loud was. I'd be like, oh fuck, what's dude, my it's part? A yeah. Fucking like, nerve-wracking. Pre-reading like words that I might not know how to pronounce. Like, oh fuck, just 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 reread them so I don't sound like a, like an like an ass. And then they would skip me. They would skip that part or something. I'm like, crap, I have to reread a different sentence mm -hmm. to make sure I don't say it wrong. And then like trauma, right? So I'm going through the level one quartermasters, and then they are passing the microphone around, asking like, hey, what do you guys taste? We're doing the whole grid, but like regiment grid, like top to bottom. And then I get the fruit section. And then I said, uh, I get I get tropical fruits. And then the master saw I'm doing the class. He's like, okay, great. That's a good start. And then just hazes me. What kind of what kind of tropical fruits? And he just goes off ranting out, ranting out like 20 plus tropical fruits. And like, I just, I was like, oh my God, like this is, this is awful. Like, this is how <laughs> is going to be. I don't want to get yelled at by customers. Yeah. But here I am, like, 
Made it through that. Made it through that. Yeah. And then still getting yelled at, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess for uh, some, real quick, the funniest joke I've ever heard was a server that I used to work with got asked, hey, do you have a sommelier? And he responded by saying, I think we have that by the bottle. <laughs> so for those who don't know what a sommelier is, um, you can definitely give us a better explanation. From my understanding, it is someone who's an expert on wine, correct? Right. It dates back to someone who would take care of horses back in the day. Back what day? I don't know. Just a while ago. Just a while ago. Like, I think 10 years ago. Damn. <laughs> but, uh, no, it has evolved over time into just being the curator of a wine list, taking care of wine, how to open it, properly open it, present it. Um, and about 90% of that training kind of just goes out the window because people just know what they want. I open it, and then I pour it, and I leave the table. Yeah. But it's always nice to have that background and that knowledge. Um, and that's why some ways are important because it can push your average check pretty high um and there's different kinds of psalms out there that we can get into too like you have your modern your classic the guy who's like wearing this like apron and he's got this little silver thing and he pours he pours your wine tastes it and he says to you it's okay to drink drink it like i am not about that like i will <laughs> i will remove myself from the equation some people still do that like in bigger cities like florida california just to make sure you're drinking something okay, but I want you to enjoy it. So I'll pour you a sample. You taste it. You tell me, hey, it's good. Hey, it's bad. Take it home with you and drink it with your wife. I'm like, cool. Awesome. Yeah. But I want people to really enjoy it, not me. So you have them taste it. I have them taste it. Right? That's it. Yeah, okay. could, could you go a little bit into what is it that people should be looking for when some, like a sommelier pours you that taste? Yeah. So making sure, um, don't smell the cork because people say the wine is... <laughs> The wine is cork. Well, you're smelling a cork, so there's going to have like that smell of a cork wine, right. right? But if you see the cork and you see some streamlines through the sides, uh, there might be signs of seepage. Seepage just means when there's um, wine going out or air coming in, that, it starts, that will start to deteriorate the wine from within. Um, another thing too you want to smell is like, wet newspaper or like a wet dog like when it's, when the wine's pouring in your glass and you smell that it could be two things it could be the wine is corked or the glasses were polished no one changed the water in the dishwasher or you're, they're using yeah. a dirty rag uh, so but, that's like a third variable all together like it could just be the glass is all fucked up yeah and i've gotten times where people just don't like the wine and i i sometimes warn them like it's gonna be funky you ready for this funk? And they say, I don't like it. It's funky. I'm like, yeah, it's funky. Yeah. I told you. I told you. <laughs> I told you. And uh, I don't want you to drink 24 ounces of something you don't like. So I'll take it back. I'll show it to the employees what it is and have them taste it. You guys know about that. And Yeah, then, um, we've been fortunate. <laughs> unfortunate. Um, and yeah, so like no worries. Like we'll take care of it. I don't want you to drink something you don't want either. So. Yeah, very... As and you know, all of us could probably attest to this. Very rare do a guest complain about the wine, and then we think it's not an issue. Like when someone complains about the wine, it's almost always like, "Okay, I understand," and just no questions asked. We take the wine back, and like I would say, eight times out of ten, something is wrong with the wine, and then there's like two times where they're like, they just don't like what they ordered. Yeah, like trying to show off to their 
date, like, hey, guess what I can do? Yeah, I already, yeah. Ki- I already have Marlot, <laughs> already Chianti, and you're like, you have no idea what you're talking about. So, yeah, that's definitely something to, if, if you get a wine and you don't like it, if you're trying to, like, experience wine and get into wine, you're like, oh, you know, I've heard about Cabernets, and you order it and you don't like it, don't fucking drink it. Because what's the point? You're just ruining wine for yourself and for your guests. And right. you're paying for a glass that you're not going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Right. So 100%. Yeah, no. Uh, Jay, you got any questions for uh, the young sommelier we have in the room uh, before we start kind of... This, got, this is going to be all over the place, but I'll try to keep some sense to it. Oh, man. I have, I have a ton. Um, yeah. Th- let's, let's start in the beginning. Kind of like... Yeah, that's what the, I also want to start. What's the process of you becoming a sommelier? Um, and... Um, what kind of made you want to do that? Awesome, man. Uh, make sure we come back to that first question because I'm going to answer the second one. Okay. Uh, it all started with like um, cooking. Like I grew up in Mexico. Um, my grandma used to work for the state of Guerrero. Uh, in Guerrero, don't fight, man. Don't fight over there because they'll just hit you with machete. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they settle wars. and like They fit the name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. machete. Like, yeah, they get, that Guerrero name really comes through. Yeah. And uh, she would take me to all these towns because she worked for the state to kind of help out like these small communities that don't have resources, barely have any like um, heat. And she would go and, and teach them how to like grow their crops better, how to make dolls out of nothing, um, just like the the hair of, of, of hairs, um, and how to make um, estufas, um, stoves out of like mud, right? You make a whole like really really hardcore like and this was her job you said that was this is her job and then as gratitude like all these people would like make us food like authentic food menudo like tripas uh um pozole and um, using everything from the animal like chicken feet um and that's how i kind of just love that hospitality like that bit me so hard and then it never really clicked until like i was in high school um so lived through that and then um, cooking was like speaking to me a lot after high school so to culinary I applied to the Grand Geneva not once but twice and yeah because when I actually when I met you for the first time you probably won't even remember this but I was in high school and you were actually working as a cook at what's now a different restaurant but at the time it was Chicago style pizza yeah yeah, yeah you yeah, were yeah. you were there as a line cook yeah and I knew you because my cousin worked with you my cousin Jesus Cordova ah, yes so that's when I first met you and then we ended up meeting again at the Grand Geneva yeah and then we worked together for a while there yeah yeah I was like who's this pretty boy right here yeah and it wasn't yeah. me it was somebody else <laughs> <laughs> no but please continue yeah so I started cooking uh started with pizzas um uh, family owned and then applied to Grand Geneva and then landed a job as a um, chef de parte, just pretty much being like um, the left, right, whatever hand you want to call it, of the sous chef, just prepping, coming up with new ways to to speed things up, look a little bit better. But it's kind of hard to make dishes look better when there's only four components. You have your sauce, protein, a tomato, cherry, and a leaf so, of some sort. Um, but work as a cook, love cooking, the smells, the restaurant. I just wanted to be in restaurants, but there was always like this disconnect with front and back of the house. I'm like, I got this. I'm going to fix this. So I went back to school, went to hospitality school at UW Stout, and I took a wine course twice, not because I failed. Um, and people were like, why? why are you taking it twice? Like, did you fail? Like, no, I just want to get more out of it. And this professor was like one of the best things that's kind of happened in my life in the wine world 
because he made something so easy to understand and digest as a 21 year old where everybody else just wants to get drunk and bar hop and i'll be i'll, I'll be honest like i started with barefoot moscato like that's where i started Sorry from the bottom. Out. Yeah, we gotta we gotta be Take uh, Moscato shout out. Shout out barefoot, <laughs> <laughs> barefoot and uh, all its great wines. Yeah. Started from the bottom. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, you gotta be uh loyal to the wines that started you. Definitely. The more pale yellow the better. <laughs> <laughs> if that shit's pink, that's ready to drink. <laughs> um then apply it back to the Grand Geneva. I'm just uh I just like the I just like to suffer, you know. Uh, shout out! I like the trauma. I like yeah. the trauma. Trauma bonding. Trauma bonding. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get back into it front of the house. Let's fix this stuff. And I did the internship for five months. Um, and uh, I was in the military at one at one point too. In that process. Yeah. Thank you for your service. Uh, yeah. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I put my two weeks in before. So it was supposed to be a five month program, right? It became nine months. And I was like, what are you guys going to do with me? Where are you going to put me? And there was like no answer. So I was like, I'm out. And they're like, well, you're still in training, in army training. You're going to be back in two weeks. I'm like, this are my two weeks. Like, yeah, I'm not coming back. Yeah, this is my two weeks. These are my two weeks. And then um, I came back. I had no job. I was like kind of cool with it because it was just like revealing to like, I don't want to work somewhere where I don't enjoy working. Like, I want to do something for myself. And that's when I applied the Geneva Inn um, to be the bar manager. And I just walked in. And uh, Sutton. Um, was yeah, there. shout out to Sutton Doringsfeld. We hired. Uh, How an all-star crew. Three Let's out of four of us in the room. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she's like, "Let's do this. Let's reopen this place. They invested money on it, and then she wanted me to take on the wine program with some guidance from a master of wine, uh, Jessica Bell, who worked in Milwaukee for a while. She had her own schooling." She would teach people and she would come down and kind of just guide me a little bit. And her guidance really helped me kind of build my first wine list from scratch. And uh, once again, I started to get burnt out because I was doing more managerial stuff than anything bar related. And that was eating at me and just like, I just want to do wine things. And so I decided to um, take my level one, passed it, uh, and then took some time off and then decided to take my level two, passed it eventually. Um, and then from there, I just like committed to myself to be sommelier. I told myself I'm gonna I want to be sommelier in the big city, and that's when Megan moved my wife um, to Chicago. I'm like, I may finish up here in Geneva, and then I'll follow you. And then um, I, I went once again without a plan. I started applying everywhere, and eventually, the James Hotel took a chance on me on someone who was just a level one at that at that time. Could you elaborate a little bit on that, like what the how the leveling system works, like? Yeah. All of its implications. Yeah. So you can be wine. You can have a wine career in different ways. You can be a, a writer, a critic, um, uh, work on the floors. You can teach. You can do multiple things with, with anything wine. It just depends what path you take. I took the Court of Masters, and that's more service-oriented towards, like, restaurants. And um, that's that's a path I took pretty strong. And then eventually I did the other one. Um, but... There's four levels to the quartermasters. Level one is just introductory. Level two is a certified, which I am at the moment. Level three, it just gets harder ten times fold. And then the fourth, it's like you might lose a little bit of yourself at that moment. Like you Jesus. are. It's like a PhD in wine. It's a PhD in wine. People say like it's one of the hardest exams, like more than like becoming a neuroscientist, like 
I wouldn't say that. Like, I'm not. We're not, we're not saving lives. We're just. You're just opening. professional alcoholics. Right. Right. And then I just said to myself, I want to be a psalm. Let's do the psalm thing. And then yeah, um, that's how that's how my path kind of just evolved. And then I got. I did work at the American Club at one point. Sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit. Uh, as an intern too. And then they decided to um, reach out to me because they were looking for psalm. Because um, the psalm there was moving to managerial position. Uh, sorry, Eric Noon. Um, I know you missed your job, um, <laughs> but they 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 sent me a link to the website, to the wine list. They gave me a copy of it. I looked at it. I'm like, I'm in. We're all in. And Megan Megan was all aboard. She wanted to move out of the city anyway, and uh, we did. We we moved back to Wisconsin, and we moved to Plymouth, Wisconsin, um, at the right time because you know 2020 happened eventually, and uh, we had more freedom. The girls... Did something happen in 2020? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Go, the 19 virus. COVID. COVID 31. But yeah, you did come at a good time then. Yeah, and then I hear stories of like friends that still live there during the pandemic, and they're like, "Man, like it's fucking awful. Like there's nothing on the shelves." Does that mean you got your property like right before they skyrocketed? I did. So we bought our property in 2017. Oh yeah. Um. So way before any of that happened, my neighbors just sold their home, and it's crazy the amount they just got for it, and yeah. it was on the market for one day yeah i looked at myself i'm like i wouldn't i don't know like it's a beautiful should property <laughs> should, should we move make it <laughs> one bedroom apartment no. should we just that. struggle a little bit <laughs> it was kind of fun right megan she kind of styled let's, let's humble a little yeah we yeah. gotta humble the kids you know <laughs> yeah and then back to the first question which was like what passed right mm. what's it yeah quartermasters the w set you can do like a few Courses here and there doesn't have to be too big. Like you can make it as big as you want it to be when it comes to wine. Uh, you just decide how much money you want to drop on it because it's not just like the exams. It's like the wine you're investing. How can you learn about wine if you don't taste? Yeah. But That's if you sure, want to drink yeah. for free, Chicago is a place to be because people are like trying to sell you everything under the moon. Like, hey man, try this, try that, try this. Like, like, pretty tipsy at this point. I don't know <laughs> if I can perform. <laughs> so. Spit bucket like this. Yeah. yeah. I'm a lightweight. <laughs> I'm a lightweight. Like I don't drink. I just taste, taste and spit, taste and spit. I slow down. Yeah. Yeah. A question that I definitely had was, what was your first impression of Juan and I? Of Juan. Of Juan and I. Because you had already met me for a little bit before we started working together at Geneva Inn, but we didn't really get to know each other. It was really through passing. Right. Um. You know how they say like only God can judge me. Yeah, I fucking judge all the time. <laughs> like, you you kind of have to, like, especially in the world we live in. Like, you walk down the street, I'm like, this guy is gonna do something, right? Yeah, this guy smells like shit. Like, like when I go to Fleet Farm, uh, everybody looks at me. I'm like, especially in northern Wisconsin. Oh, like, I can't in. imagine. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So. Damn, you did grow up in Chicago. <laughs> you lost, boy. <laughs> um, when I saw Juan, like, it's pretty impressed. It's like. This guy has confidence, man. He's, he can do things behind the bar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the first time I met him um, was when I when I first introduced, like, we introduced each other. Like, his son made me read him the employee handbook. So we went, like, out, I'm like, um, I was like, are you serious? You made me to read the whole handbook? She's like, yeah, read it to him so we can just cross it off our checklist. Like, don't we have a PowerPoint? She's like, we don't have any computers right now uh, with a PowerPoint set up. 
So we just go, I'm like, all right, well, let's go outside, let's go by the lake. It's pretty romantic, I think. It was a nice day. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, I do. <laughs> we were sitting outside on the patio, or where the pi- patio was going to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, I could have just told him, like, hey, man, here you go, read it, just come back in, like, half an hour. But I'm like, no, I want to bond with him. Mm-hmm. I want to feel how, I want to feel, if he's, if I make him feel awkward, like, I thrive through, from people's awkwardness, right? Like, yeah. Like I don't, I don't. When there's silence, I let you struggle. Like I'm, hel- I ain't helping you. Like, <laughs> see what you can come up with, and uh, we just read it, like all straight face, and like, I'm like one. Any questions? Like no, yeah. Like, so it's pretty good. Good time. Um, yeah, nothing bad. All positive. But Louise, man, I don't know. You can be honest. I won't take offense to anything. That's, that's what we've all said. Before. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I and I understand. <laughs> I don't know about this guy. Yeah. It's like, I'm pretty confident, but this guy's pretty confident. Like, what's he hiding? Way what's more he hiding? confident. Like, what's he compensating for? <laughs> we so, all know. Why do you we have truck know. nuts on a Honda Civic? Delusion. That's what it is. <laughs> so, you, I think when I really got to know you was when you worked at Brisago. And, like, when you're working above someone else, you think of them like, is he really that much more than me? Like, he's working upstairs. Like, how do I get upstairs myself? I want to be. I want to be upstairs. I was like, how's <laughs> being upstairs had nothing to do with a better position? <laughs> but the outfits were better too. Like, I'm wearing like this crappy chef coat that smells like sea bass, and like this guy's like nice cut, nice clean. He's going upstairs and just kill service, and I'm just down here like just just breading calamari to order and like my hands smell fishy like <laughs> i want to kind of be like him like that kind of confidence so so yeah nothing bad all good impressions so i thought you weren't light on me but okay that <laughs> yeah, was low light dude i got a few little like wine 101 yeah we have a ton of like quick fire questions. yeah i was gonna say so like you can feel free to be as short and yeah be short if you want to be yeah be short if you want to be you know these are kind of like more fact-based rather than um, opinion-based, but no, don't laugh here, right? <laughs> don't laugh at any of these, all right? Because yeah. like I said, these are from like more novice point of view. But would you say red wine is made from purple grapes and white from green? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of these. So that's a question that we have. Is that a thing? So or could you elaborate got... into why that is not true and like what gives wine its color? So what gives Okay, so what was the first part? What makes what? Is red wine red from wine. purple grapes and white wine from green? Um, There's probably a yes and no to that, right? No. So it's, <laughs> it's a no. So you can get white wine from red grapes. Um, you just do like a light crushing. I'm talking like I'm a winemaker. I'm not. Like this is all from like what I learned and tasting and yeah. seen. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I thought that green grapes and made white wine over. really you swear to god <laughs> okay see that's not a silly question all right as soon as you started as soon as one said that i'm like wait that's not the way that's not true <laughs> that's how you squeeze man uh so yeah pinot gris are a good example where they're made with or pinot blanc some of them different clones are made with like redder looking grapes and then it's like a, a light squeeze you don't squeeze it when you're making the wine or crushing it because in the tannin the skin of the grapes will bleed into it. it it could also just be the style of the winemaker right like he wants to create a pinot noir it's a red grape but just use just the white juice like the see-through juice with no tannin 
because he wants to make it fresher. The tenon, the tenon, the skin makes it a little bit more longer finish. He just wants a refreshing wine, right? Interesting. Um, okay. So yeah, no, no would be the answer. And to that then question. I also was, uh, you know, obviously trying to do some research for this episode. The longer a grape is being fermented, it loses its color. Is that correct? I don't know. Oh, okay. I, I was doing some research about winemakers, and yeah, they were saying like the longer a grape sits, it loses its color. So depending on how dark the grape is, that's how long it was actually being fermented for. Interesting. So you lose the color if you do light press or leave it longer in the fermentant? Correct. Stage, yeah, yeah that's it. Out. Yeah. Could you go into why wines are stored on their sides? Um, yes. You, if you want to cellar your wines for a while, you're like, man, I want to leave this wine for my kids. You want to make sure they're cellar on this on their side because if you leave it upwards, the cork will dry from within. You kind of want to make sure that's wet, moist, um, so it keeps that cork expanded and not shrunk. Perfect. Interesting. Okay, and it, the two worst things that can happen to wine. Again, correct me if I'm in, if I'm wrong are light and air is that correct air as in like like tampering with the wine i guess uh, I, sh I should be more specific a wine bottle yeah um so if it's in the bottle like air is not going to touch it right but yeah. coming back to that like you want moisture you want some type of moisture in the air right to keep it moist from the outside too like which you is when you brought up the cork part that made me th think about that point again right so, so you so you, yeah you want to keep it a little bit humid um, in your basement, not all like dry because that'll dry up the core from the outside and then in. Um, another thing too, like light also, will will cook the wine, will make it for Chardonnays if you leave the wine by your window sill and then even for like a month it'll turn more orange and brown and that's called browning. Um, another thing too is like putting it above your refrigerator. People think like, man, mm. that's a cool spot, right? No. People can see it. But heat rises, let's say you're cooking, especially if you're Mexican, you're like, you're always cooking something, tortillas, like all that heat rises, baby. You're going to be and drinking some warm, some warm wine, or aged like wine. Aged wine, like brown, red wine. Yeah. So back to the light point, like light affects wine. It, that made me want to ask, why do so many, I guess in our area, why do we see so many wine storage units all super lighted up? if light affects at, at that point does it not matter anymore once it's already like on at a restaurant so let's say let's say you're going to like total wine or a binnies right yeah. um they all lit up leds like leds won't harm the wine as much as like uv light from the sun yeah uh but there's also truth to that right like you're walking down the aisles it is 72 degrees in, inside little air conditioning so maybe 68 um that's gonna hinder the wine in the long run um but their goal is to just flip that wine really quick. There's really no no extra care for it. I'm not saying it's bad or wrong. Like keeping the wine in that temperature for like a year or two, it's not gonna hurt it. But like five years, you'll see some damage to that wine. Hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, Jay, you got any questions? What level are you? I know we're talking about levels. Uh, level two certified um, from the Court of Masters and level two from the um, WSET. The wine trust educational oh, he's man. looking around the room he's fishing yeah. for it or here let yeah. me quickly look it up can you repeat the acronym uh, WSET 
uh, Lynchburg News Weather Sports. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, SET wine, wine and spirit education wine trust. Spirit education trust. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. You ever thought about going further? Yeah. You know, I think I'm going to. I think life's too short to not have like those kind of big goals in life. Um, I'm sure you guys heard of like um, All Lives Matter, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we just had a debate about it last week. So yeah, going back to the court of masters, like they've, they've they've gone through um, some issues with not representing BIPOC and uh, even the word like court of masters, like the word masters has always been kind of like an iffy thing when it comes to wine because we're enjoying wine that was promoted by white people, right? Yeah. Through our lives. I was, tell me why I was completely wondering about that. Like, why is it French grapes that are the most popular? Like, why is it? these like newly colonized regions australia new zealand chile argentina united states like these are all former european colonies that like happen to be the old in the new world like why is there no african representation quote unquote or like yeah we other south african wine yeah but south africa was a a a colony a european colony and they were under apartheid until like the 80s or 90s so like yeah i was kind of wondering like how does that history interject with the current modern wine world yeah so it has a lot of deep roots like with what's currently happening in today's world i guess we never really put in a spotlight till this past couple years when people are like you know what why do we have Cabernet? Why do we have like Pinotage? Why do we have all these weird grapes? And it's because of that. Like French wines have always been like the lead for four reasons. Um, colonization has happened. All these bad things in, in our history um, that wine always pops up in history. That's what I love about wine, but it's also like a double-edged sword because the grape we're enjoying now was brought in here in not good terms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, racism and, and wine is pretty big right now. In, our, in, in my wine community, people are talking about it. And all these, like, other countries that don't get uh, a spotlight, um, I feel like that's why I'm also doing what I'm doing, because I want to give them a spotlight. Like, Italian wines is mostly male-oriented, made by men, and made with big, bolder texture profile to appease other men. Uh, It's never been, like, allowed to have women input until, like, the past 20, 30, 40 years. And that's why I love promoting wines that are made by women, um, because they they kick ass. Like, they have more taste buds than we do. They can sense and taste better things than we do. And um, You're right. It's low-key like a superpower. <laughs> yeah. Like, That's so interesting. Like, how many master sommeliers are there in the world? A lot of men. Like, it's mostly like 70% of men and then 30% of women. Like, why? Because we don't give women a spotlight. Um, they always get, like, you saw it like 2020, like, women left the workforce to take care of their kids yeah how can we help them get back to what they were doing before and we're not helping them at all like there are some other there are some groups that are helping uh like the uh, restaurant coalition um made started by one of the master sommeliers bob stuckey who helped kind of push like congress to like hey we need some restaurant help um 
but but I just feel like it's kind of hard because I love wine, but there's a lot of bad history within it, um, and it's like a double-edged sword. And Could you like elaborate on like one of those like history like factoids that like would be interesting to us that kind of partakes and intersects with those themes you're talking about? Yeah, it's tough because I don't want to throw any countries under the bus. Like, by, by no, by all means, man. Yeah. That's what we're about here. <laughs> yeah, no hold we time. don't hold punches. Hop on. Right? You will get canceled. Yeah. So <laughs> We've already been demonetized how many times? <laughs> so think of like Spanish wines or like ports, right? Um, Spanish wines, Mexico was conquered by, by who? By, by Spanish people, right? And yeah, they, they, they brought... essentially enslaved and raped all the ones. Yeah, they, I didn't know this, but when I visited Tulum, I literally learned about the caste wars, how Spain um, enslaved essentially the whole Mayan population in the yeah. heart of the Yucatan Peninsula and quite literally had haciendas, and they were like the, the plantations of Mexico. That's what haciendas were at the time. I didn't know that shit. Telenovelas romanticize the shit out of them. I just thought pretty ladies would hang out there. Yeah. Shout out to great, 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 great grandma. <laughs> great, great grandma not getting her property. Thanks, yeah. for, thanks for surviving, grandma. Exactly. Great, great, great yeah, because you would, uh, the more research you do about the time, you know, and I've been more interested in my Mexican roots the older I get, but yeah, you find out that like the kids were scalped and the men, like these uh, native Mexicans were taken from their, like their gold was taken from them. And the things that they would do to these Aztec warriors was they would, you know, essentially uh, defecate, you know, on their mouth and then just, you Jesus know, slice, slice their throat. And the they would do that to the leaders. Yeah, this? they would they would do that to the leaders of these clans and these tribes so that they would set the example for the rest of them. So that the rest of them, what you think that the Incas and all of those pyramids were built by the love and by like the praise of these Spanish conquistadors, like no, they were slaves. Like that's what they yeah. did. And like, oh man, you got a ton of gold. You guys should build us a pyramid. I mean, that's what happened. Homie, I'm pretty sure the pyramids were there pre, pre conquistadors. No, prove me. Sorry, how old is the planet? Three thousand years. Yeah, right. six thousand years according to. <laughs> oh, six thousand. I'm sorry. Six thousand years according okay, to. How can that that's what Pastor Jeff says. <laughs> <laughs> numbers. Uh, I'll give you something more common, like not more common, more current of like race and like. Um, yes, please. The wine the, world, the, the, the um, just liquor industry. Like you have Jack Daniels, right? I don't know if you guys knew this, but Jack Daniels was taught by African American slaves and how to make whiskey at one point. And at one point, Jack Daniels was like, let's look into our roots, let's look into our history, let's see what we can come up with to come up with a new product, right? Because we were pretty much running out of ideas, like Jack Daniel Fire and all these like off brands and all these things. Let's, Fireball. Let's, Let's, yeah. let's just find more things, right? And they looked into their history, and they found out like most of these like uh, that slaves were were worked uh, like in this region of the um, the Bourbon Trail, and Jack Daniels was taught by African Americans how to make whiskey, and then they're like, whoa, 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 let's just stop right there because if we do more digging, then we're gonna find more skeletons in the closet, and and that's Jesus. and I'd rather have you tell me the whole truth about your product. Then, then continue to like just just kind of hide it because we're gonna find out eventually. Um, another thing too, like plantation, right? Um, plantation rum, like yeah, Caribbean rum. 
Um, yeah, like the word plantation itself is pretty pretty racist. It has a lot of deep roots in slave enslavement. Yeah, it literally might as well mean labor camp labor or like camp. slave labor camp. Yeah, but right now they're trying to like change the name of the product so it doesn't have too big of that meaning. But it it started from there. Yeah. So how about you like take it all in and like do something about it. Like be the difference. Don't just hide behind a curtain and behind like paying out the CEOs and like your uh, people that are investing in you like These step, shady step public up. relation tactics you know right step up do something yeah okay we'll go into some more uh, quick fire questions I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot you like five and then just answer them like I said quick fire which wines have the highest percentage of alcohol Napa Valley Cabernets beautiful do you have a white one that you would throw into that Napa Valley Chardonnays. Okay. <laughs> Napa Valley. That's, that's why they drink that. Napa right. Valley. What's the most expensive wine that you've had? Um, I've had and when. I've had the chance to taste uh, DRC, uh, Domaine de la Romanie Canti. These wines go for like thousands of dollars. I had the chance to try Latage 2013, and that was like six thousand dollars. The table joked to me that like we are your twenty thousand dollar table, and I was like kind of shrugging like yeah cool guys like like let me bring you let me bring you some wines that we'll open tonight yeah and they recognize the label so like no like we are your twenty thousand dollar table I come back with like DRC Screaming Ego was this Aaron Rodgers <laughs> no I think someone was yeah, like retiring drinks um <laughs> and they're just like let's just go all out and then they're like that's much better let's go and then five bottles in twenty thousand dollars and one of them and one of those being the drc six thousand they're like have some try have you had it I'm like fuck no had it. <laughs> are you out of your fuck fucking no. mind i don't want to lose my job <laughs> i mean i've had some like different vineyards from by them yeah. two thousand by like six thousand dollars but you can't tell the difference in and how expensive it is i feel like my mind cannot process all right, another quick fire question, and then we'll get into some more juicy ones. What is the oldest wine you've had? Uh, 1908 Madeira. Uh, 1908. 1908 Madeira, um, and that was in Holy Chicago. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are God gorgeous damn. wines. What did it taste like? Like, what's the biggest um, difference? There? So Madeira translates to matterized, so it's pretty much cooked. It cannot go bad. It, Wow. Bad. Um, but it has like all these nutty flavors like um, marzipan um, it's almost like right shout out to marzipan <laughs> <laughs> um, it just has like all these like Thanksgiving flavors like brown sugar um, wow and, you can, and these flavors you can only get with time you cannot just buy it off like new vintage you have to let those these are developed flavors. these are developed flavors right yeah yeah, and that was a port wine, correct? Uh, it's or almost no. like a port. It's off the off the island from Portugal called Madeira. Okay. Yeah. This, right. this may be a weird question, just going off of that, but um, you know how you said like you can only get this taste from an aged wine that aged this long. Is there any way to speed up the aging process with wines? Get a hold of Elon Musk and then have him send bottles to space. Yeah, could you theoretically put it in a vacuum <laughs> void where you can simulate time? I don't think so. Uh, you, I don't think so. Like They have like those decanters that spin the wine to aerate it. Um, that does something about opening it. 
having oxygen integrate with it and open up flavors, but I don't think it helps age it at all. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I think it does, right? Like our skin, like oxygen gives us air, but then it takes it away. Yeah. Um, so it does give it a little bit of that aging, but then it just falls apart quick, right? Um, you cannot replace it. All right. True or false? We even kind of. <laughs> if you throw a wine through the blender and literally turn like a blender, like a ninja shot, yeah, yeah. will it make the wine better? Yeah. I fucking knew it. I have I've been I have been preaching this bag for so long. Yeah. Just make sure you don't make the salsas in there. <laughs> so it because it breaks down the wine and it lets it air out. It likes to air it out. Like it just you're replacing your hand. Okay. Like you're you're like super swirling it. Yeah. So, yep. Okay. All right. Now, which, Anthony, which cliches would you like to banish from the wine world forever? Oh, that is a good question. Man, feel free to say more than one if you feel like it. Yeah, you're welcome to say something Louis said today as well. (laughs) (laughs) You definitely should say something. Oh man, cliches. Um, I guess cliches is like more like gestures. It's like always giving the man the wine list. I I hate that. Mm. I worked at a restaurant for a short amount of time where like we always sent the wine to the man, uh, whether it was the women ordering or not like that was always to go to that's and, crazy and that got banished pretty quick after i started working there <laughs> like we're not doing that like we're not doing like yeah. this and then i ran into a problem one time not a problem but i ran into a table one time where the lady was like a master of wine i'm like i'm happy we changed that rule because I, that would have been like awful in a review um, yeah it would have been so embarrassing it would have been embarrassing yeah so yeah that's one wow that's a that's a very good uh what, what is the perfect grape to make a great wine in Wisconsin or the Midwest? Or which grapes should we look be looking for if we want to taste like a local Midwest wine? So we're heading towards the same, we're about the same latitude as like Oregon, just about, and then some French countries. But yet we are still growing like grapes that are unsuitable for wine long run. Like we're always making wine for ice wine, like. Yeah, everybody's making everybody's making that. ice wine, man. Yeah, and I it breaks my heart when like people spend like top dollar to get fruit and juice from California shipped to Wisconsin. So you have this wine traveling across the country on a truck, and it gets here, and then the winemaker plays with it. Like, how about you just play with your backyard? Like, you have you have the latitude. I get frost happens. I get snow happens. Do some research. Pay someone to like. Find the right clone with a with a great DNA that can withstand this cold, and then make awesome Pinot Noir, Pinot Gris, Gewürztraminer, uh, Riesling. Riesling does well here. Um, I've seen some the G word. How do you pronounce that? The Gewürztraminer. Uh, uh There's a W in there. Just to pronounce it as a V. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's already white wine people making those wines that um, I just haven't found them. And if they are interesting find me we had a really good uh white wine yeah from, pinot grigio it was actually pinot grigio from it was uh, incredible Wisconsin, and it was fantastic yeah i was gonna reach out to them actually and uh see if they had any other awesome wine for us to taste we should honestly on that one but yeah that wisconsin wine i feel like because we're such a focused farmland um like it doesn't make any sense that we don't grow more wines right right 
Let's do it. 100%. Let's do it. Let's all shape in. Mexican wine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know Mexico's pretty big in wine? Are they? Yeah. Are they making more? I've been learning that. Yeah, like Baja, Baja California, um, just north of like... Northern where, Mexico, right? Northern Mexico and then central as well too. Like like the, the rules and rules set by white, um, I don't know how to call them, but... Um, writers book writers who have done research say like you cannot grow anything within certain latitudes the closer you are to the equator the uns more unsuitable the grape growing is but we're breaking rules and i love it yeah no uh i another question that i definitely had was how would you define you were the person that taught me this but how would you define old world versus new world and what that means itself when it comes to wine so old world is anything european and then new world is everything non-european so like new zealand australia south africa south africa south america america new kids what's an unusual or, or underrated lesser known varietal we should all try it's albarino i feel like it's it's out there it's big i like it i love it um but it just doesn't get that love it deserves in smaller communities. You go to the city, Albarino is like the hop, hip the hippity stuff, hop. Hips, hippity hop stuff. Um, but I feel like Wisconsin is a little behind the, the ball. But we need to try more Albarinos. Albarino is a great budget varietal too. Yeah, you get that on a great budget price. What would you um, answer for that for a red wine? Um, all the wine hipsters know this one already, but Gamay. Uh, What'd you call me? Gamay <laughs> uh, from um, South Burgundy in the Beaujolais region. Pretty we Beaujolais. love Beaujolais. Yeah, Beaujolais. yeah, it's it's gummy. It's it's awesome, um, and it's also in the budget too. And but, it's cheap. That's and, what we like around here. It's cheap. Yeah, that's what we like here. Um, but if you find a Gamay in California, those are killer because people that are making those are going against the grain of the classic winemaking. So beautiful. Um, one question that not I'm, this is going to be kind of a long point, but I recently uh, binged all three Saw movies on Hulu, which are great to watch. I think they're really good, interesting movies if you're just interested in wine in general. Do you say Saw? Saw. Are you oh, fucking dumb? <laughs> what? How the fuck does that Where do I watch the Saw movies? Spooky season, bro. Not. <laughs> spooky season. They took them off everywhere. They're not anywhere. Like I want to watch them. You can't find them. You can't yeah. find them. HBO Max has them. Done. HBO Max. And go. Amazon Prime has everything for a price. Like yeah. Well, you can rent anything, but if you want to. Yeah, rent, that's true. Saw true. one underrated. Why one the, of the best movies? Ever. Bro, he was dead, but he wasn't the whole time. Hey, 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 hey. Hey. Yeah, that movie that came out thirty years ago. Don't <laughs> yeah, spoil it. Uh, <laughs> and then we got to Saw Nine. <laughs> When you were a kid, did you, ever, like, did you ever see like the DVDs of like the scary movies or at Blockbuster, and you'd be too scared to like touch, touch the touch the the case? Bro, to <laughs> like, this day, to this day, I can't even walk down aisles that have dolls in them because of how bad like horror movies have affected me. Like, yeah, when you walk down those blockbusters and you see like all this, and they would all be black and a yeah. fucked up. Did I? I don't think I've ever said it on the podcast, but you know that movie Jack Frost. Yeah. So there's two Jack Frost movies. There's the one with uh, the guy who played Batman. Uh, what's his name? Oh, fuck. The very first Batman. He was Keaton. A, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. So there's a movie where he loses his soul, but it 
like goes into a snowman and it's a really heartwarming oh, story it's really and dude it makes you cry at the end it's a really heartwarming story about him and his kid and how like he ends up dying in a car accident but he comes back as a snowman anyways great movie however there's another jack frost movie where the snowman is like a killer snowman oh shit i do remember the cover to that too yeah and i rented out jack frost thinking i was watching michael <laughs> keaton and then i saw this terrifying movie about some killer snowman it ruined you for snowman and i was just like god damn it um back to my original point and one of the points that was brought up in Psalm 2 specifically was wine epiphanies. The first time that I had wine, every time I drink wine before that, I'm like, whatever, I'm drinking wine. This is cool. I'm getting tipsy. No big deal. The first wine I had when I'm like, oh, this can be different and this can be good was a Beaujolais that you had poured for a training session that you gave to us when we worked together. Nice, man. And that was like the first time I'm like, wait, wine can be fucking different like it doesn't have to be it can be this a complex, pinot noir yeah. a cabernet it can be actually good and it smells like jam and blueberries uh what was your first wine epiphany of like oh shit there's something here like this isn't just the same shit over and over again where it this gets isn't like drunk. tito's yeah <laughs> what, what it's coming off the rail um i think it was a uh, Riesling from Germany and reasons I've had in, in school they were sweet I'm like it's gonna be another sweet one but I just want to try it's got a fancy label and I don't remember the name of it um, but it was super super dry and that dryness is it's like a bad acid trip it's like it just dries your palate it's like whetstone and really there's no whetstone have you tasted a whetstone I the like, Pinot Grigio we had from Wisconsin was actually very much like, yeah, oh, like physically, physically like oh, a no. one, right? It's just like our brain trying to like connect to things that make sense. It's like after rain, like when you smell that after rain, sometimes you smell in the wine, the moist. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. bacteria dying, like when, and then you smell that, and then that triggers your brain to like, you know what, that smells like that. But you never think about it beyond the smell, like the the, the science behind it. Um, but that Riesling had all of that. Like it just took me for a loop of like, you know, it's fascinating when your brain gets tricked. Like when you get surprised, that's such an amazing thing. And that that was it. And that was when I was in an intern at the American Club uh, for the immigrant restaurant, which I work at now today. So. Beautiful. Uh, Jay, you got a wine epiphany? The first time you had a wine where you realized like, oh, there's something here other than just some red juice. That's hard to pinpoint. There's that one that stands out. Juan, you got one that stands out? Um, For me, I can't think of specifically one wine epiphany. Mm-hmm. But I, like, in the beginning of my wine drinking days, um, I had a lot of those style of moments with earthy wines like Malbec, Zinfandels, where it was, you know, fruity, juicy, spicy, earthy. You know, it's not just prominent fruit. It's got, like, secondary flavors, like, third-level flavors. So, for me, that's when I started having, like, those epiphanies. Like, those, oh, this is, like, really interesting. Like, each wine is almost, like, an expression of that region, time, and place of when it was made. Like, it's an expression or, like, a painting of those winemakers, you know? Like, that's that's what they were trying to portray to you at that time. And that's kind of what got me really into it, like, 
and me being like a little like geography fucking nerdo like that makes no sense um like the global aspect of the wine being able to taste something from south africa um malbec from argentina or from chile like all of that is incredibly interesting seeing in the differences in how argentina and chile produce much earthier flavors than like california which is you know very fruit centric all of that was just super interesting to me so i just dove in deep headed after all that yeah. and i agree with Juan. it was just like a different tasting of different things and once you got that under your belt you kind of you get really got into it and see what you like and what you didn't like and that things are different yeah but yeah if i had to pick one uh, oh maybe maybe an amarone Ooh, Dude, that's a great one. That's <laughs> one that got me a little bit like, oh man, yeah. Those, that's a great choice. I can. That's I, a great choice. Like, it's complex. I can, I, yeah, yeah. I, I can drink this. Yeah, like I can enjoy this. That's a good choice. Like it's a good. Those are heavy, like high alcohol, like sixteen yeah. percent, but they're amazing. Yeah. 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 Um, I have a few question. Another uh, question, Anthony. Um, so I want you to think, put a person in mind, right? Let's. Paint a picture in your head, right? Let's paint a picture of like a, a gentleman who's perhaps a plumber, perhaps <laughs> likes to go bowling. You know, it's more odd. of like a common man, it sounds right? Very specific. <laughs> so now I want you to tell me if you could recommend one wine varietal or region to this particular person who, like, on an average day, likes to you know relax with a PBR or you know. I, I, when he's feeling a little eccentric, Miller Lite, <laughs> what would you recommend to him? Again, very specific. <laughs> Does it tell me that bad all? I like how you throw PBR under the bus, man. I like. I it. love PBR. I know. I am being. It so does this plumber apparently. <laughs> so I think I would do like California, something California, like get him hooked, just get him to bite, and then reel him in with the other stuff. So like, give him like the staples, like. Pinot Noir from Russian River Valley or Cabernet from Napa Valley, just anything jammy for forward. Because I feel like from what you're picturing in my head is his diet involves like bigger, bolder flavors, except for the beer part. Um, and you want to just make, make, make that expression on his, on his mouth, right? Yeah. Um, so you want something bolder to, to hook so you, So you want something fruity like those fruitier. California yeah, yeah. flavors. Okay, perfect. That's really good. Um, <clears throat> a question that I definitely think should be asked is there can be a lot of pressure on somebody when there's an expert standing over them. So how would you recommend the, the question specifically is how would you go about your first wine tasting? But even furthermore, is there a certain way that you can would take into a wine tasting or ordering wine at a restaurant let's say you're out for an anniversary you don't really drink wine often maybe you don't even drink often that much but you want to start getting into wine for maybe some of our younger audience what are some key i guess descriptions or things that they can look into to then walk in a little bit more confidently yeah uh i love that question because sometimes i get like people on first dates or like people that have been dating for so long but they're so intimidated by wine uh, what I try to do is like make you feel comfortable like just like even my and I, it goes back again to like making assumptions and judging people like you kind of have to in this in this industry you, you look at someone you be like like you you want to make them feel like happy and like if you sense some type of like 
uh, they're being timid, then you kind of just want to ride that wave and be like, how can I help you in, in, in what you're feeling right now? I don't want to make you feel even more uncomfortable. Um, but one thing is like, know your true self. Like, what do you drink every day? Like, think of like simple things like coffee, sodas, tea, for like your coffee and tea. Do you add a lot of sugar and cream? Because that translates to how sweet you want the wine and how creamy and soft you want the wine. And that's one thing I'll ask uh, people getting started into wine. Like, how do you like your coffee? Like, a little sugar, a little cream? I never fucking thought that's, of that. That's yeah. genius. That's, that's why you're a small That's dope. And, and like I'm a dumbass on the internet sec- with a podcast. Yeah, in the second bedroom. <laughs> this is why this is why we're a third rate podcast over here. <laughs> Please continue. Yeah. And some people will be like the opposite. So be like, oh, I like like overly sugar, overly sweet, but I just like dry. I'm like, what does dry mean? And I bring in the driest one. It's like, ooh, that's too dry. I'm like, okay. So you don't like dry. <laughs> so you don't like dry. And that's how I kind of just start to like get find that sweet spot. And I don't just bring one glass. I bring like three glasses. And I'm like, taste all three. I'll talk about each one of them. And then you decide which one you want to do. And, and they love that because they're like traveling around the world through three glasses. They went to yeah. New Zealand. Oh, they went to Burgundy. Cool. And they went to California without having to go anywhere. Like you're sitting down. You're tasting these countries. And, and that's that's pretty good. And, and they'll find something. And if anything, I'm helping them educate themselves and educate their future sommelier yeah. or whoever's serving them the wine of what they like um yeah yeah because one thing that i really I, we can't do it anymore because of covid but one thing that i loved to do when i was uh serving was yeah absolutely <laughs> but uh people would be like oh i'm torn between these two wines so i'd bring out both great glasses of wine but i would put one over like a black beverage napkin and i'd be like all right i'm not gonna tell you which one's which just Tell me which one you like more, and I'll just bring you that glass. Yeah. And a lot of times they're like, "Oh, I'm leaning towards Chianti, but I want to." But like, so giving them that option of just like, just go by taste. Like, yeah. don't go by what you think. Just taste them and go from there. And I think, yeah, like you said, you know, know what you like and kind of go from there. Yeah. Another thing too, I try, and this is what helps me learn more about wine is like I'll bring multiple bottles to the table, and then I talk about each one of them, and then one of them will speak to them the most, and then they'll be like, "I want that one. It's got a pretty label." Or this one is, I have a German blood in me or something that will tie them together and they'll, they'll choose something. Like there's wine for everybody. If you have like $50, $25, I'll find you something. Like you don't have to spend a lot of money. Beautiful. Uh, it looks, Jay's got a question. No, um, what type, what's the most overrated and most underrated wine <laughs> that in your opinion? So that piss off a lot of people. It's about oh, to piss man. off all his wine friends. So let's get rid of Southern Comfort. <laughs> <laughs> that clip, by the way, that's so good. Rings so true. Yeah. To just like you were, I remember asking you like, what should, what do you want me to do with those eleven bottles downstairs? <laughs> and you're like, keep them down there. <laughs> like, I don't want them up here. Yeah. Yeah, they were they were okay with throwing a little bit of money there at one at one point. At one point, yeah. <laughs> and then start like, I don't, are we, are we not seeing anything come back? <laughs> we need more money. Um. I mean, that's tough. Um, it's a double, double-edged sword because I I don't like wine communities that are destroying the land. Like Napa Valley is seen as this golden child, but it's the last Eden. Like I feel like it's the last frontier of like, we can make this place beautiful, uh, make Napa Valley great again. Uh, Let's because, get those heads going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they really have uh, built on 
on good land, on preserved land for wild um, animals and wildlife. And all they saw was like money signs, right? So they started just like buying out all these acres left and right. And today you have runoff, you have contamination, uh, like, and people mm. are just like paying the fines, uh, getting a, their hands slapped and then just calling it a day because they can make more money anyway and to pay off any kind of... Um, They're accounting for the regulatory fines at this point. Right. Yeah. Shout fair life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, fucking animals. Man, it's it's hard to Literally. to say yeah. any any wineries without hurting people, right? Because there's families, there's like immigrants that are working those lands anyway. So to like throw a specific name under the bus would be would be would be un, unjust for me. So Fair I feel enough. like I can't I can't name one. Mm. What about his? Do I want to? What about his other question? Underrated. Underrated. Um, Arizona, Arizona, Colorado. No shit. Um, Wine out of there. Yeah, yeah, great That's wines. That's cool. It's All so right. Dry, yeah, you'd probably get some really sweet wine, wouldn't you? Yeah, Paso Robles is another place, but they're becoming pretty, pretty uh, known. Uh, pretty known. I was gonna say because like, I've, I've read a lot of Paso Robles. Wine. Yeah, and and they don't need any more help, but like all oh, these other places, like have you do you know the band Tool? Yeah, Tool. Um, I, I'm butchering the name of the winery, but I think it's called Catasis. So the the lead singer of Tool makes his own wine. So after he's done touring, it's like I'm tired of people. I am tired of like, like the social life. I just want to go make wine, man. And there's uh, a, I think there's a documentary on either Netflix or Hulu, where he's just talking about his wine. It's pretty cool. So that's sick. Wow. What has been the biggest change in the wine world since you started your career? Um, all of the Court of Master um, drama and scandal. There was a cheating scandal where um, people were giving the answers and the wines that would be blinded for the master, the last level, and people did not did not tell the judges who it was or anything like that until later because 20 plus people passed, and that's a red flag right away because you only have about two, three, four max passing, but you have a class of 20 plus um, that that raise some alarms and people it's unjust for the people who passed fairly but they had to take everybody's pins away and their diplomas she's um, soul crushing people were like on their last straw like i can't do this again this is like destroying my social life my family time um and another one too like just master psalm taking advantage of their position and getting away with um harassing women um and to know that your idols are pieces of shit sometimes. Yeah, yeah. they can definitely be heartbreaking. So, yeah, no, people, sometimes a lot of those chefy like figures that are given a little bit of power in the industry sometimes mm -hmm. abuse of that a lot, you know. Right, so that's been good in kind of shaking that up a little bit. Yeah, um, I got two questions about uh, kind of both different aspects. Do you think there's any validity to three... Uh, yeah, I'm just going to be pretty general here. No specifics. Latino between 24 and 27. Um, talk about wine. Do you think there's any validity? And then there's any value in that? Because they're not sommelier. They're just generally trained. Are you telling me, are you asking for my opinion if you guys should shut this down? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's great. And there's a reason why I said yes to this right away. Like because Which we were like again honored that you said yes. <laughs> I asked my wife, like, 
they asked me like what do i say she's like yeah do it you, you need to do it um thank you megan yeah, yeah. thank you megan <laughs> megan and i always had a good relationship so that's great um yeah i feel like you guys are doing great like we need more voices um you saw me we're in wisconsin and we are three mexicans in one room and if you drive down the road like there's nobody else like us like it's mostly one population um that yeah. dominates this 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 place right here and to to not have a voice to not voice it it almost seems like cruel like our parents gave us this opportunity to to have our voice be heard and to not use it it's almost like a crime right for so, sure yeah in any way shape or form like whether being rebellious or just drinking wine like do it beautiful man that means a lot that was poetic yeah thank you very much we're gonna have to clip that yeah no we definitely will um no that was beautiful and it like again it, it means a lot that you were able to you know you're a professional who's in this field and has been in this year field for you know a lot more than the three of us and obviously like you said it, it it does give us a voice and something that we love and we're passionate about which is food and wine and yeah. you know just telling stories that maybe you're not able to hear every day from the white man putting us down so <laughs> i think and, and also i think wine is just something that has such a large um disparity like it's like you either know a lot about wine or you know nothing about wine there's like nothing in the middle and i feel like that's kind of where we where we sit because it's very us, but like most people don't really, you know, it's just not there. It's not a comfortable yeah. place to be with, with knowing about wine. Um, so I think it's kind of cool that you can talk to it. Like some people even our age that are just drink sweetest wine or rosé yeah. because it looks pretty. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like actually yeah. give them a little bit of, a little bit of insight of. Yeah. I let them, let people know that they, they have options like, yeah. to move on to past like those, you know, barefoots and the Australian sweeter wines and all that stuff. Right. So. Yeah, now and, and again, coming on like uh, piggybacking on on George's point that people will just drink what they, you know, either something super sweet that they think is really good, or something super bold that like, oh, this is so heavy, like it's so it's got to be good. When in reality, it's like, no, you can have a medium body, you know, like maybe you don't want to drink Pinot Noir, but step up to a Pinot Nero and get you know a little bit different. And you know, I I owe a lot of my knowledge of wine to the training that you gave us and to the training that I was provided at some other restaurants where it's like, in order to make money, you got to sell the big wines. And so if you don't know about the wines, even if you're not able to taste them, at least do research and then kind of dive in. And that's when you're able to really get an understanding and an, uh, a very attractive relationship to wine and be able to taste more and understand them more. Yeah. Yeah, don't be afraid. Be like, can I taste anything in the store? They might oh. look at you like, yeah, try it. Yeah, because you're going to yeah. buy shit anyway. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, if you're going to buy more, then yeah. we'll get you I, tipsy. Yeah, right. And don't always be afraid to like ask, like, hey, man, what's on sale? Like, hey, what do you got? Because like, I've been asked like, when people are spending like more than $1,000 on the bottles, like, can you do anything better with the price? I'm like, absolutely. But then we have people that are on a budget. They are afraid to ask because they might think I'm judging them. But like, don't be afraid to ask. Like, what can I say? No. And that's it. Yeah. 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 That was actually another question that I had is, do you think that wine specifically, you should come at it from your budget and then hit the best wine at your budget as opposed to trying to find the best wine and then try to find something at your budget? Just like, all right. I have $30 and I want to buy the best $30 bottle of wine as opposed to being like, I love Cabernet. 
let me find the best Cabernet at $30. Because then at $30, maybe you can find a really good Chianti or something along those lines. Yeah, I feel like you should go in with like an open mind. Just go in with $30 and find the best thing in that range. Because then maybe the owner will be like, I have something back here. Like, it's $32, but I'll sell it to you for $30. And then you just broken that threshold of the $30 and then you're jumping into a different category. More premium price, more premium wine, uh, quality. Um, I feel like if you're going like with one mission, you're gonna look at that, that 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 shelf. There's nothing. You walk out, and then you feel disappointed. At least make it fun. Like give yourself some time to like explore. Uh, one website that I use, and I pull it out on my phone. People look at me like I'm taking pictures. Someone say I am. Rotten Tomatoes. R- rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> How many Rotten Tomatoes? And then uh, I just go WineSearcher.com, and I put the wine in. And if it's like more expensive at the store i just like pass on it um so that's one that's one tool you can use when you're shopping around be like hey man they're selling it for this but what can you do kind of thing yeah since we're talking about purchasing wines i think it would be helpful to mention what you as a sommelier look for when you get to a wine store what like and it'd be it'd be cool if you told us like maybe do you look for different things at different price points or maybe even give us like a recommendation on like, uh, you know, a more everyday wine and a more special occasion type of wine? Yeah, usually they have the shelves pretty like there's a strategy to how they place the shelvings, right? Like how they place the wines on shelves, like the bottom ones are your bulk wines and expensive. And you have the top high end wines at the very top. And then you have the ones that they really want to sell more volume in the middle like you eye level. So they still get sold pretty quickly. And there's a lot of things happening behind the placing too. Like you can have like three rows, four rows, an end cap. And that's people kind of paying um, if they want and compete to the store. Be like, hey man, can you uh, give us more shelving? Can you give us more space? Here's a couple of things. Here's a free bottle of wine. Here's some money or whatever. Um, just to sell a little bit more. Um, what I look for is just like the middle and sometimes the top. But it's usually your your common staples like your... Camus, Bello Gloss, all those wines that you can find pretty easily anywhere now. Uh, what I look forward to is like that, like that sale if they have it, like that the cart where they just dump a bunch of wine. I'm like I dive right in there. I'm like, what's going on in here? What's in here? And you find sometimes some diamonds. Like I find some cool stuff from like um, Veneto or Lombardi, like even Cadebolsco, uh sparkling wine. It drinks like champagne, but it's like you're in Wisconsin. People don't understand and don't know it, and so they just put it in a cart, thinking that it's just trash. When it's just in reality, it's amazing stuff. And oh, then also wow. behind the counter, they'll have like the high-end stuff. Sometimes they don't even price them because they don't expect you to buy them or ask. But I ask, like, hey, how much you're selling that bottle of Blantons, that bottle of Pappy, and they just see something outrageous. I'm like, cool, nice to know. <laughs> nice to know that I that's you get a nice museum back there. Yeah, right? good museum. But yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Do you have any questions for us? Um, death row wine. Your like last wine. What would it be? I know like there's probably some expensive wines out there, but it doesn't have to be expensive. It can maybe be Moscato. Like, what is like your death row? Even even if you don't have like a name of a wine, like what grape? I no, I have a very specific wine, which is a uh, Depinti Pinot Noir La Vie. Because that was one of the first wines I tasted, 
I would just want something to go down easy and smoothly. And, yeah, just fuck, give me a glass of that. And then good night. You know, say hi to the kids for me. <laughs> and God bless. <laughs> so I'd probably pick that. Just a really easy wine to drink. Like it. I like the 2015-16 Pinotage out of South Africa. I really enjoyed those because that one was, like, very coffee-forward, like, chocolate, dark chocolate. Just interesting flavors you don't get in a lot of New World wines. So I like that one, but the last Pinotage we had was, like, much more earthier and, like, yeah, meaty. It smelled like bacon. Yeah. Like bacon. bacon. Yeah. yeah. It was a little like weird. Straight yeah, so like, yeah, so but I get it. Man. A different vintage <laughs> year. I feel like I've had that. I would say five times in my life, and every like four out of five has been nothing but like kaffa or coffee, mocha, java, and the fifth time it was earthy, savory, almost like a hint of soy sauce. Yeah, it was just a different experience. What about you, George? It's tough, man, but I think I'm gonna go with Luis kind of on like the first wine that I think I've like had that like I really enjoyed and I think it might have been like might have been like the prisoner red blend. That might be the Just first so, one. yeah. Like something it was medium simple. body, yeah, easy to drink. Simple but like I, I really liked it. Like, it Let's first. go back to that question of what wine I would just mm, what was it what was it? Throw under the bus, overrated. You know yeah. what? Is it the Ev- prisoner? Yeah, Every, <laughs> and I have, and I know Tell, why. Look at right, right, right there. there. Oh, yeah. Tell us why. <laughs> Tell us why. So you look at the label, and what do you see? You just see some guy, well, literally shackled Ens- up, enslavement, right, imprisonment. Yeah. Like even the label itself is like. We were talking about this the first episode. The very yeah, first I episode, brought, we talked I brought about an unshackled. Um, what was it? Cameron? It was. Uh, yeah, I think it was. Uns- yeah, somewhere. Right. There. It was yeah. a red wine con- called Unshackled, produced by the prisoner, yeah. and. We were like asking if it was produced in Montgomery, Alabama, or some shit. <laughs> like this has got to be racist. And, and it's like it, it just has some meaning. I mean, I'm sure it doesn't, right? It's just a label. But like the psychological thing, like someone designed this label to kind of make our brain think about it. Like this is attractive. Like this is nice. Yeah. Right. Like, but why? Why do we That's like true. it? Why do we like this label? Um, the wine itself, it's it's good. It's fine. It's a Sinfandel blend. Um, it got bought out, but like they're killing, they're crushing, they're selling it, they're feeding their kids, right? Someone's they're, feeding their yeah, kids, they're feeling like so. someone's feeding, feeding their kids. kids. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, so I, I was able to get that prisoner uh, picture up there. Um, I should probably post it on the uh, Instagram page <laughs> <laughs> just because it looks cool. Yeah, yeah. We have a bunch of bottles and you pictures. Yeah, I, I put them all away just for this episode. Anthony, what's your favorite music to listen to when you're drinking wine? <laughs> that was yeah, that was gonna be one of my last questions. Oh man, I love it. Um, so I don't play anything um, too loud or screaming when the kids are around or my wife. I don't like to give my wife headaches, and she made that very clear um, that it does make her have headaches, and I respect that. I get that. It's not her taste, but I listen to like like pretty heavy stuff. Like oh man. I listen to very heavy rock as well, so... Okay, yeah. you sh- shoot, give me something. Give you something that's, like, yeah. heavy? Yeah. I mean, I like I like, I like like Screamo mixed with, like, singing, so I like, I like, like, Wise Man's Fear, I See Stars. Cool. Um, yeah. Clown Fossey. Yeah, totally. <laughs> ICP. Get, get some Fago. Yeah. Um, so, Critical Filth, like, it's pretty, like, hard as I'll go. 
but anything like Bring Me the Horizon. Did you say Cradle of Filth? Yeah. Cradle of Filth. Oh, okay. Yeah. Of yeah. Filth. If you're going to listen to that, um, just make sure there's start at volume one and then work your way and up. And work your way up. <laughs> yeah. It's... And you would recommend that as good wine drinking music? No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, one good one is like Shaky Graves. Like that's a good, good tune for like drinking. It's easy. Like Shaky Graves. And Shaky this is by Cradle of Filth? No. Okay. Shaky Graves is like their the own band. thing. The, the okay. band, yeah. It's pretty good. Oh yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, is there any proof to red wine making you slightly gay? Like, cause I feel after a glass or two, I start questioning myself. <laughs> Or is that just all mental? I feel like that's all you, man. You don't oh, think so? I think it's just uh, just you, man. All right, fair <laughs> enough. I figured if I'd ask a sommelier, I'd get my I my, my answer for for once and for all. I'd uh, I'd love to ask you something though. Um, what's yeah. what's you what's your dream thing to do with wine? Like I I you could do so much. You know, you could open up your own store. You could have a vineyard. I know that might be the ultimate goal. Like maybe having a vineyard, but like what's that's the magnum let's, opus. Let's have, let's have one that's an extreme goal. Magnum opus. Let's have an extreme goal and then something that's more like, yeah, I could do this in the next five, five to ten years. I love that. I love that so much because I've been thinking about that lately so much. Or like, what's my next step? Like, I like to be able to put my kids to bed every night. Like, Megan does it by herself. Both the girls. Like, she is, like, my rock. Like, she is such a great mom and a great... She has her own shop, too. So she's doing a lot. Um and uh is she still in the industry as well she's not she she got out of the industry um i think about three two two three years ago uh she worked for Kohler um as well too and um got out of it just in time right and uh we just wanted to focus on her family a little bit more and, and she wanted to focus on her true goals which is like running her shop uh she caters she curates a shop with like Handmade, handmade uh, toys, um, apparel for kids, babies, and even like moms. Is there an online store? There is. We will yeah. link it in the description down below. Yeah, go and, support local. Yeah, what's the name? Uh, so the Instagram uh, handle is at my. I'm um, sorry, at Wild Oak, and then the website is my Wild Oak. Wild Oak. Wild Oak. Okay, we, beautiful. We, yeah, we'll link them in the description down below. Awesome. Thanks. Um, of course. Yeah, I think it's. I think I want to do my own. I want to do something like my own, like my own shop, my own something. Mm -hmm. I feel like all the shops near around, like around the area, just don't cater to. They're missing this, this like demographic, like us, right? What stores do you guys go to? Like you go to uh, Pick and Save, Pickly Weekly. They have the same common people, yeah. the same common mm -hmm. wines, yep. targeted to specific like people like we are from mexico mm -hmm. about some tequilas made from mexico like smaller ones not talking about like gun julio which is pretty good though patron Pat right patron or yeah i, I get so annoyed when i go down the aisles of tequila and i see like three don julio patron yeah. and jose, yeah, jose cuervo. cuervo and it's like yeah. I f and clearly like these aren't good quality right so last week i had the week before i had espotlon which is pretty good. So I've been trying to do more research about like, all right, can I get something that's actually made by Mexicans, not that's mass produced? That's right. How I feel too. I just grab something that's like the same price point, but random, random. I just take a random pick. What it that's is? That's good. Yeah, because like you keep buying these big bottles that are like commercially made, and like it's just going to the pockets of some CEO. Right. And like all these celebrity things, right? Right. Which is fine, right? Because you then you have your CEOs that want to make their own wine. So why should they be able to make their wine and not celebrities? Yeah. Like, but, but, but yeah. Um, I think, 
I think just to cater to 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 more people looking for hidden gems that they don't even know about. Too. You make a killing. You make a killing for sure. Yes, that's because everything point. around here is just. I, I find the same. The same issue. You so just same, California yeah. wine. The same things. Yeah. yeah. There's like, a... like when was the last time you had like nice bar tools, like your own bar tools? Like yeah. you, you go to work and it's like the some same common like group that sells for the whole restaurant and they're crappy. Right. Clunky. Seriously, uh, I got three wine, four wine keys on the table. They're all the same. Right. Like there's 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 more to it. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. Okay. And then what about a big wall? Big goal? Yeah, big what, goal. yeah, what's the, what's the, the North Star? Look, I thought that was the ultimate star. Oh, that was the ultimate, man. What was, I don't know. I think that's it. Just like third kid, maybe? <laughs> like someone, someone Go for twins on the next one. You know, the most about one out of anybody I ever know. Here's $500,000 to invest in something. What are, you, what are you doing with it? How much? 500? Let's make it a million. Let's make it a million, million. Yeah. Let's make it a million, yeah. What, um, what are you doing with it? Just make a wine shop like from scratch and like make it visually beautiful like you have all these wine shops right what makes them apart from each other it's the interior too like it looks cool inside yeah. like you want to feel proud to go to a liquor store not like feel like you're just gonna go pick up something and just get wasted like yeah. like you're gonna pick something classic classic and also provide like non-alcoholic things too like that's a big thing in california chicago new york the non-alcoholic uh, cocktail programs that they're making like you don't have to get buzzed you have to get like shit faced to enjoy good things like you can have all these small things like hand-picked like honey and, and like ingredients to make good stuff that it's not fermented into alcohol you can still enjoy and have a good time because like cooking right like you go to walmart you pick up a chicken it's just chicken but if you pick it up from like a small person who sells like they, they raise the chicken, they name the fucking chicken, and then like, that means more to you, right? It's more, yeah. more closer to the farm. Like, I want to be able to to show that in, in a wine shop. Just, like, have more connections with yeah. my community. I love that. I love that. Yeah. That's huge because you can, you just, you made your net way that you're, you incorporated so many more people in that. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a beautiful goal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're approaching Ooh. two hours, so, uh, Juan, uh, you want to... Any last questions? Yeah, you want to kind of okay. ask a few more? Okay. Um, could you go a little bit into how wines get their different aromas and flavors? Because I think there's this misconception that a lot of people that are new to wine think that winemakers are infusing these bottles of wine with, like, either red fruit, purple fruit, uh, literally cherries, pomegranate. You know, they think that perhaps they think. That when we're saying, oh, we taste these things, they may think that they are actually in there. But could you go a little bit into how they develop those flavors and where they come from? Yeah, 100%. Uh, so some people do do add dry ingredients to wine uh, to fix any faults. There's this ingredient in the, in the community called Mega Purple. Um, some wineries that I know and that are on shelves today that use chemicals to to enhance flavors, to... to uh, make them purple deeper and some of them do actually have side effects that give you headaches and that's a different topic too like wine gets a bad rep for that um, but there's nothing being if it's like a good wine made um, by a good producer they're not adding anything they're not adding like apple juice orange juice lemon juice it's all just our brain once again just trying to like tie things to that make sense to us uh, memories, things you, things you tasted in the past, like lemon, lime, lemon grass, 
um, the after rain, um, just a good example. Um, so no, none of that's being added. And then the oak also gives an impression of like this nuttiness. Depends how the oak is made or how it, it's harvested. You have American oak and then you have French oak. French oak is, has a little bit like that uh, vanilla flavor, but not as potent uh, as the American oak. American oak has coconut, tropical flavors, um, almost vanilla too to it. So it's all just from the grape itself, its DNA, the tannin structure, the fruit, the juice, the ripe levels, and the oak. And the, the winemaker might add a little yeast to it too. Okay. Wow. That was very interesting. Uh, Jay, you got any questions? <laughs> how how would you approach um wine and food pairings like what what oh, that's, yeah that's what is going on in your brain what's like i look for this factor is number one this factor is more on a secondary level what's yeah. going on in yeah that? so we do tasting menu uh in my restaurant we have the a la carte on the left and the tasting menu on the right and on the right we have seven options and uh, for each option i pair a wine to go with each course and what I look for is uh, things that go together, grow together, or opposites. So let's say you have a foie gras. Foie gras is savory, so sometimes like something a little sweet might help enhance it a little bit, just go with it. Uh, and these are opposite ends. You have something salty and savory and something sweet. So that kind of marries each other, and that's a good example of opposites attract. Uh, something that like is alike is like soup. Like think of like Wisconsin, 100% Wisconsin soup. Any soup you want, uh, usually has a lot of heavy cream, butter, um, kind of Paula Deen style. Um, then you want to do some buttery, like an oaky Chardonnay, um, that just kind of elevates everything, makes everything even more heavier, raises it to raises it to a different level. And then you have things that grow together, go well together. Like think of Italian food, like it's mostly um, the pasta was not created in Italy, uh, it was created in Asia. Um, one of my yeah, and you know what? Italian food overrated. I just want to get that out there. Hundred percent. You say that because you were to what? Hundred <laughs> um, percent. Um, so think of Italian flavors, and then Italian wines have those flavors. Have like this tomato leaf, almost um, like biting the vine of a tomato um, plant um, that just goes with it. Um, so that's another way to do it because people are making wine to go with their food far longer than America was rediscovered so with like let's elaborate a little bit on that could you tell me how you would apply those rules and principles to like everyday foods like say a burger pizza um perhaps cheese curds like let's just throw out some regional foods that everybody's eating like what like which wines would you apply to those particular foods let's just use the next door pub menu as a reference exactly that's basically the wisconsin diet it's been a while man oh, it hasn't man. changed chicken sandwiches <laughs> burgers chicken parm is probably their best oh, thing man. and that hasn't changed in 30 40 years i'm lactose intolerant so hey hey bro see there's there's some of it's us. rough lactate all day <laughs> Um, hey, hey, let's reach out to the first lactate sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so think of like a burger with like their homemade barbecue sauce. You and I know what protein tastes like. You and I know what chickens, beef, all these things. But it's how we cook it, and that's how my culinary background like really helps. Like you poach it, you grill it, you add a lot of salt and pepper. 
so the preparation and then the components and the sauce is what kind of sets the pace and the volume that you want to match with a bottle of wine um, so let's say it's sea bass sear comes with a like a buttery sauce and say bernays some people like it with bernays uh, or heavy tapenade with olive oil or olives calamata olives with it um, so you would do you wouldn't do like a light chablis uh, you would do something heavy like a Chardonnay if you want to stick to white and uh, the principles. But you can always do like a Pinot Noir, um, just jumping to the reds, but on the lighter spectrum of reds if the dish is pretty tuned up. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Uh, any questions? I kind of asked a lot of mine as we were going through. Uh, Anthony, you got any other questions for us? Who's going to be your next guest? Uh, we haven't thought that far. I'm working on that right now. I'm in contact with Jim Black. Oh, there so, you go. Oh. So that's going to be interesting. Hear, get to hear some. Uh, Are you guys going to match your profile picture? What do you mean? I think the previous one he had a fish. Bro, I've been getting so many comments about that. I just felt like it was time to switch it up. <laughs> he loves fishing. Oh, he left a comment too. Yeah, I did not know Jim was a big fisherman. Is that a thing? Yeah. yeah Dang, I wasn't aware. That, yeah. I was not aware. We're gonna have to touch base on that, me yeah, and him. Yeah. Yeah, Jim was a, a bartender we worked with at, at the Geneva yeah. Inn. He's, he's the one that... War uh, hero. He's literally the one that went to Central America to fight the oh, CIA. That's right Get about. political, man, with him. So yeah, oh, we definitely good. That's what we're, that's that's what we're hoping deep for. Deep dive on politics. Yeah. Dude, he has no shame about... like. I remember one time Brento like, was asking him like what he considers himself as like politically. And he had no... like zero flinch he's like yeah i'm a fucking socialist <laughs> he told brento that yeah he's like yeah i'm a socialist he's like yeah and then he went on to tell him like i went to central america and lived this and that like like yeah i live that shit like and brento's just like yeah yeah, yeah. sounds good <laughs> what is he gonna do he's like well tucker carlson said this or that <laughs> uh so yeah no i definitely want to get jim black on the episode um we want to get our girlfriends and her uh, fiance on the episode just because we do mention them from time to time, so it'd be interesting to get their point of view on this. I think we should get Abel. Yeah, and we also want to. One thing that we definitely want to do going forward is uh, promote local businesses, and you know, not just like Walworth like County, like foodies, restaurants, stores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, talk to like chefs from the area and like get their take on like Blake Geneva. food trends, culture. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, like of what you know, what got them started in food and. Uh, similar conversations to this but specifically like i mean a beer um brewery opened up in like geneva in the last really year yeah. and it's like, wow. it'd be interesting to go talk to them and be like there, there's oh, one in elkhorn as well yeah it'd be like yeah, what's your uh you know what's your process what do you do and even if we don't do like a two-hour podcast just like it'd be interesting to talk to them for like an hour and just kind of like highlight their spot and just say like hey you know or even some of the small plots that we go to um, and just recommend those. It'd be kind of cool. And use this platform for good and not just for, you know, <laughs> adultery. <laughs> for vice building. Yeah. <laughs> kind of getting there. Yeah, slowly. <laughs> uh, but no, man, it's it's been fun. Um, well, any anything else, Anthony? Any plugs? You, yeah, any You got plugs, any pluggables, man? Anything, we'll, we'll definitely... Anywhere people should follow you, check out any work his that Instagram, you might have online or Instagram anything like that? Instagram is in the description down below at... Uh, is it pronounced Surly or Shirley Boy? Surly Boy. At yeah. Surly Boy in the yeah. description down below. Did you get that nickname in the military? 
No, I just came up with that out of nowhere. Uh, surly means dead yeast. Oh, I thought it was kind of cool. Dead yeast boy. Yeah, it sounds like a fun. Yeah, word to say. Yeah. Well, I'm never gonna look at this name again. <laughs> <laughs> dead yeast boy. Okay. Uh, any closing statements? Um, try alberinos. Try, try alberinos. drink more alberinos. Uh, definitely mine. Um, Juan, closing statement. Um, I want to try Amaronis again. Jorge just reminded me that they exist, and that yeah. they're like, if I remember them correctly, they're pretty, like, dark, uh, yeah. almost dark chocolate tasting, correct? Would yeah. you say that, Anthony? Yeah. So, I'm just rediscovered them again, so I'm going to jump back in there. So, yeah. maybe jump into Amaroni if you're into those flavors. Jay? People stay motivated, stay happy. <laughs> Beautiful, I yeah. like the positivity. Thank you. Thank you, Gary V. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, Don't so, talk so. shit about Gary V. He gets you pumped. <laughs> uh, Anthony, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Megan's store is in the description. You will be in the description. And a uh, closing statement. Um, try new things in wine. Don't stick to the staples. Beautiful. I like it. So thank you again for another uh, episode and joining us. And uh, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. And we'll see you next week. Be tuned for our next big guest, though. Yeah, stay tuned. We're going to have big guests, guys. (laughs)